Most people I know want to make a positive contribution to the world. In whatever time they have on this earth, they want to know that their life mattered. It would seem that this instinct is woven into the very fabric of our heart and life. Or to use a different image, it is organic to our life. Earthy, organic images of life, faith, and relationships were a staple of Jesus' teaching. This made sense because the people that were the first recipients of his life and teaching were very close to the land. The images of grapes and sheep and fishing would have been supremely relatable. For most of us, however, we are far enough removed from the land that these earthy images that Jesus uses require some unpacking, some context. Jesus's I am the vine imagery that's recorded in John 15 is precisely one of those images. Unless you are familiar with viticulture, there is much of this image that gets lost on us. For instance, the concept of pruning that Jesus speaks of seems punitive and judgmental to uh, untrained ears. And yet for the vine grower, pruning off branches that are either unproductive or have grown too far from the vine is essential to bearing the best fruit possible. That is another aspect of viticulture that is important for us to consider. When it comes to a grape harvest, it isn't simply a matter of quantity of grape. The quality of the fruit that is grown is a vital consideration. This is the key to our text. The best fruit is grown closest to the vine. It is closest to the nutrients that make the fruit the tastiest and the best. When Jesus teaches, I am the vine, he is reminding the disciples that if we are to bear the best fruit for the world, it can only be done as we are growing closer to Jesus. This morning's gospel reading comes from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown to the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Friends, I would invite you to pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength 
and our Redeemer. Amen. I want you to take a moment and to reflect on how you would characterize your relationship with Christ, with the risen Christ, with Jesus. Okay? Reflect on your relationship. Would you characterize your relationship um, with Jesus as um, in the same way that you would characterize your relationship with, uh, with a historical figure, say a Washington or a Jefferson or a Lincoln or, I mean, pick your favorite historical um, figure, where you know their biography, you know their history, you know the things that they did, you know what their challenges were and what their triumphs were, and yet there's this, this, this distance Okay, you, you really only know them from afar. Okay, that's one way. Um, would you characterize your relationship with Jesus as being that to the way you relate to a great teacher? Okay, a teacher that you had growing up, a mentor, a Gandhi, or a Confucius, or any of the other great historical teachers where you know what they taught, you resonate with what they taught, and you do your very best to follow as well as you can. And yet there's still a sense of distance because they are, whether by, by age, by time, by epoch, by geographical distance, they're still somewhat separated from you. Okay? So we got historical figure, we've got teacher. What about an old friend, okay? Jesus as an old friend. Somebody that long ago in your life you knew, you knew pretty well, you were pretty close to, and yet time and distance has changed the nature of that relationship. But you know, somewhere you know, that in a pinch, when the need was really great, you could always call back. I think about, I think about this way of, uh, of understanding and characterizing a relationship with many of my friends uh, from high school. Uh, we were in youth group together. We were in a young adult group together. And we're, we're, we're close. And even though we don't talk every day, when we see each other, the time melts away. You have relationships like that? So, historical figure, teacher, old friend. But what about a close companion? Would you characterize your relationship with Jesus, with the risen Christ, as a close companion? Day in and day out, in good times and bad, ups or downs, poverty or plenty, that you know and you experience Jesus, the risen Christ, as being present with you, how would you characterize your relationship? Now, <laughs> be really clear, wherever you fall, and of course there's probably a whole lot of other ways that you could characterize your relationship with Jesus, and there will be hybrids and gray areas in between. But there's no, this is, this is not about casting aspersions or judgment about where you are. But if this text that Joanna read teaches us anything, 
about how we define our relationship with Christ today. This text cuts to the very root of how we see and characterize ourselves in relationship to Jesus. Now, like many of Jesus' parables, the, the parable of the vine doesn't leave a whole lot to the imagination. Although the idea, unless you are a wine connoisseur, you go on wine tasting and have toured vineyards, some of the subtleties of, um, of uh, growing grapes of viticulture may, um, may escape. But this particular text, this particular parable, this particular image is a window for us onto a possible relationship with Jesus as close companion. Now, if we are going to claim the name, the title, Christian, then to be Christ-like is, is the core of that identity, which means that we are to reflect the grace and the presence of Christ in our life. That's a pretty simple thing. We've, we've talked about this before. In our choices, in our actions, in where we place ourselves in the world, to be Christ-like means that every single aspect of our life should, some would say must, reflect that grace outwardly. It, I just it just thought of an old uh, of of an old expression. Um, I don't use it much because it can it can get misconstrued. But just as a for instance, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Okay, I mean, and that's a, that in some ways that's really a legit question about how we see ourselves and how we frame our relationship with the risen Christ the risen Christ who is present now in our life and knowable. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's important that we recognize that Christ is knowable today in our life. Knowable as a close companion, knowable as a teacher, knowable as a guide, knowable as that, that anchor and that our life must reflect that. And this image of the vine and, and being the best grapes, to be the best fruit, the best fruit comes when it's closest to the vine. The best grapes, and if you've probably done, um, you know, some of you have done wine tasting, the very best grapes grow closest to the vine. The very best fruit, the very best reflection of Christ in, in our life, but more importantly, in the world, outwardly seen and reflected in the world, comes as we grow closer and closer to the Jesus who is known, who can be known in our life. This is... This is the core of this passage. 
And so the question of how we would characterize our relationship um, opens a door for us to dive deeply into this. It's, it's easy to, um, to look at Jesus as just a historical figure. Well, you know, we'll, we'll do what Jesus does. You know, we'll love our neighbor as ourself. Okay. But then Jesus asks, who is our neighbor? Whenever we do this to the least of these who are members of, of my family, you do it unto me. Well, that, that leaves a little less to the imagination. The fruit that we bear, the reflection of Christ, is important for the world. Not just for us. This isn't just about us. It is about bearing this to the world. To be close to Christ to see and characterize our relationship with Jesus as close companion, as fellow traveler, isn't just about having a list. If I pray every day, if I read my scripture every day, if I do good deeds, if I come to worship, whether in person or online, then that's all I need to, to do. Before we get into the laundry list of things that we can do, the first thing, the most important thing, is to trust the promise that the risen Christ, the Jesus whom we meet in Scripture, is present today. And as I shared earlier, is knowable. Jesus is knowable now, in this very moment in your life. And Jesus is present. Not say the magic words and Jesus will be present. No, Jesus is present in your life today. And the way that Jesus taught the disciples, the way that Jesus walked, the way that Jesus created space for people to belong, the way that Jesus reached out in the margins to care for people who had been pushed aside, that work is still continuing today, certainly in us and through us, but in ways that I can't even begin to quantify. I don't always understand the mechanics of it, but I take it on faith that Christ is still present doing that work for us and in us and through us today right now. And if we, if we take that promise on faith, if we trust that that is what's going on right now, then the other things that we do, the ways that we discipline our life in prayer, the ways that we serve, the ways that we worship here or online, the ways that we build relationships, the ways that we make space for people, the ways that we love people, all of these things that we do become, as, as, as our founder John Wesley talked about, means of grace. Then if we, if we trust that Christ is present, as we engage in all of these other things, then we begin to see 
It's kind of like putting a puzzle together. Pieces go into place, and with each piece that goes into place, we begin to see the picture, the picture of the kingdom of God, the picture of the world as, as, as Christ envisions it. We begin to see ourselves and one another and the community and the world through Christ's own eyes. And as we do this, and our life is shaped and transformed, our awareness of Christ increases. Christ becomes more known to us, not as an intellectual exercise, but in ways that we know one another. It can be that intimate. This is, this is what the, the early church would bear witness to. As we talked about since Easter, Jesus shows up again and again and again and again and again and again and again in our life that we might know him. And as we know him, our lives are transformed. Our ability to reflect grace and mercy and compassion and justice in our community and in our world grows we, we see ways that the world is broken. And we've dealt with, in, in the last 14 months, we've dealt with so many ways that we are separated, not just by COVID, but socially and economically and politically and racially. The separation, the fissures and the fractures this isn't what God had in mind. That image of a broken world is exactly what Jesus came to bring healing to. And as we come to know Christ, as we come to experience Christ, as we grow closer and closer to Christ, as we grow closer to the vine, as we prune out the things... That, that get in the way, as we prune out the things in our life that don't bear that fruit, the, the things that we would separate ourselves from that create divisions and anxieties and animosities and hurt feelings and brokenness, all of those things that are a part of our life as we, as we with Christ, prune those things, separate ourselves from those actions and our attitudes, we grow closer and closer and ever closer to the vine. And as with this image, our life, our fruit, our love, our relationships grow ever sweeter. Hear that? The closer we grow to the vine, the sweeter is our fruit. Now, again, to make really clear, it doesn't solve all our problems. Problems are kind of the human condition. But what this grace enables us is strength and courage and hope and a place to belong. And most importantly, the understanding that as we face these, either as individuals or collectively, that we are not alone. Even I, I, I think about this for people who are, who are only able to see us online right now. What we practice here together, not just in this space, but in this time, whether it be here or in your living rooms or in the middle of the week, this is all about helping us to realize together 
that we are not alone. The whole point of growing things, grapes, citrus, vegetables, flowers, plants even, is to have something to show for it, right? To bear fruit. You plant things, you know, we have berry bushes in our backyard. The whole point of having berry bushes is that we want berries. The whole point of growing grapes is you want grapes, you want to make wine, you want to eat grapes. The whole point of growing wheat is to grow wheat, to have a harvest, to make bread, to feed the world. This call to bear fruit, this call to be Christ-like, is not just so that we're okay, but that through us, the world can be fed, that the world can know hope, that the world can know life and vitality, that the world can know community and belonging and compassion and justice. Sure, being close to Christ gives us an anchor that's important for us, but it's never just about that. The whole point is to be able to feed the world. This is why we celebrate the Eucharist, Holy Communion, because it is a reminder that in this simple meal, that certainly is not, it, it, it's not smorgasbord in a physical sense, but it is smorgasbord in a spiritual sense. Because in this remembrance, Christ is present. In this remembrance, we are fed with the grace that makes the world whole. So friends, I encourage you beyond this moment, beyond this place, to reflect on the question we started with. How would you characterize your relationship with Jesus? with the risen Christ who is present and knowable. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this sermon from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I hope you've been encouraged. If you are interested in being part of our worship experience during this time of physical separation, please join us at 9.30 a.m. Sunday, Pacific Time, on our YouTube channel, Redlands First UMC. That's Redlands, F-I-R-S-T-U-M-C.